Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It Is What It Is, powered by the Riot Report. It's three hellos usually your thing. I feel like you want to. Hello, you wanna, hello, hello. It's I feel consistent. like you want. Yeah, you want to um, like start the podcast kind of the same way every time, so that way people like get used to it. Hey, oh, somebody just liked a tweet. <laughs> get excited. Uh, just in case, yes, I am that narcissistic that I get a alert every time that somebody likes one of my tweets. Yeah. So keep so that like in mind. Ten times a day, you get disrupted during what you're trying to do. I would say more like six to seven times a day. <laughs> Welcome. My name is Josh Klein. I am the managing editor of The Riot Report. Sitting to my right hey. in not festive attire is oh, my on. good friend, Zach Luttrell. I oh, and that. now he's wearing a light-up hat. What a day. <laughs> what a beautiful day. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and a uh, early Happy New Year to every single one of our five listeners. Zach, how was your Christmas? Hey, it was fantastic. Um, but right now, it's weird when Christmas is on the weekend because, you know, obviously New Year's Eve is a, is a week later. So now here I am on a Wednesday stuck in between the two holidays, and I yep. don't really know where I am, how much junk food I've eaten in the last couple of days, uh, how many beers I've had, and what mm. exactly I should be doing. I'm just kind of in this this lull. I have eaten so much food in the past like five days. Well, my wife was out of town, first of all, for the weekend. I was here in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, working yeah. while she was visiting her family. And um, I mean, first of all, when the wife goes out of town, Partay. the big dog's going to eat. The big dog <laughs> is going to eat. And uh, you add in Christmas there, and I I probably ate an entire lasagna on Christmas Day mm, personally, like just lasagna myself. Lasagna on Christmas is that not traditional? Maybe I'm, in Italy. I'm Jewish, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we we eat Chinese food usually. Well, you brought some delicious balls over to my house. Yes, on, uh, Christmas Eve Eve. What were those? Uh, they were Reese's peanut butter cup monkey bread. Yeah. That's monkey bread because you pull it apart. And that's one of your famous recipes. Yeah, it's uh, it's the third thing that pops up when you Google easy Christmas desserts. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm, it was delicious. I meant to bring your pan. I forgot. That's all right. This seems like now we're not even talking about Panthers. We're just talking about personal uh, things. You forgot to bring my pan. I make fun of your shirt. <laughs> Welcome. And, and here we are. It, it is, is what, what it is. is. Wow, hey, jinx. look at the chemistry that we're building right now. <laughs> Speaking of chemistry, how do you think Cam Newton's going to have that chemistry with uh, Brenton Burson, Mose Frazier, and Russell Shepard? That's what they call a segue. Oh, yeah. I guess we'll, we'll kick it off with the Panthers' current wide receiver uh, uh, roster, right? Yeah, it's a real shame. So Panthers obviously won 22-19. Just to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the, uh, the Panthers' win over the Buccaneers of Tampa Bay 22-19. We'll talk a little playoffs, Jim Mora style, and then we will um, – finish up with a little preview of the Falcons and a little bit of uh, our away game trip. Yeah, and our away game trip. I'm sure that we are going to um, talk about some other bullcrap in between. Absolutely. That's Most likely do. your top three favorite Christmas songs, so start thinking of them right now. Yeah, so big loss coming out of the Bucks game. Demir Bird headed to the IR after uh, you know really three uh, promising weeks since he he came back off of the uh, the IR uh, the eight games that he missed but um you know the first game back he had the five catches the second game back was the, the two TDs 
Uh, and then the kickoff return for the TD was incredible. Exciting. And uh, now he's done. Yeah, it's a um, it's a shame. So it's a, the Panthers. That's one way to put it. No, well, so <laughs> the the bigger shame of it, obviously, Demir Bird, you know, has worked really hard, and he's kind of one of those um, quintessential NFL success stories, right? Started undrafted free agent, started on the practice squad, then he moved up to special teamers, and he was kind of making that. Adam Thielen jump up to being a, uh, a, legit a, starter. a legit a number starter. Two. Yeah, a legit number two behind Devin Funches. But overall, when you look at what's happening for the Panthers, they trade away Kelvin Benjamin to try and open up the offense. And the first person that they thought was going to step up in his absence is Curtis Samuel, who almost immediately breaks his ankle. Right. Who is off and on injured up yep. to that point anyway. Yeah. Then the um, the offense struggles for a couple weeks after that happens. The next two games after uh, they lost um, Samuel. Samuel were the Jets game, which offense struggled, mm-hmm. and then the Saints game that they lost in New Orleans. And then Demir Bird comes back off IR. He was back for that New Orleans game, but he, was, he wasn't really involved. Demir Bird comes back off IR. He starts getting into the offense he starts getting having that chemistry with cam newton has five catches shorter routes red zone option he's he's becoming a part of the offense and then boom lower leg injury now he's out so it's just how much is too much when it comes to injuries in the wide receiver core? Was there any correlation to Demir going out against the Bucks and the inability of you know for Cam Newton to hit Funches because he had some completions to him early, but then had no targets, and then Greg Olson basically being ineffective for the rest of that game was that more of some, a lack of a defined offensive game plan, or you know was losing Demir uh, you know did it have something to do with that? I think it definitely has something to do with it. I think you look at what has happened to the team with let's just let's take out all of the games that had Kelvin Benjamin because the team's different now. The offense is different now. Absolutely. And so you look at what this offense has looked like when they have not had a deep threat. And I say deep threat, we keep saying it. We keep saying you need a guy to stretch the field, you need a guy to take the top off of a defense. And then when that guy is not on the field, when it's not Curtis Samuel and when it's not Demir Bird, the offense is ineffective. And we all want to just simply blame Mike Shula for it. But the reality is, is that the numbers don't lie. When Mike, when Mike, when Mike Shula is not on the field, when Demir Bird and Curtis Sam- or Curtis Samuel have not been on the field, the offense has struggled. Right. And I am curious to see how the Panthers adjust to that going forward. So they, they've said their adjustment is going to be moving most Fraser up to the, uh, well, I guess he was up last week too. Sure. But yeah. the, uh, the point being, they're not adding any outside help. They're going with the answer that is on the roster. Zach, I've been seeing on Twitter that they're going to be working out Victor Cruz. Steve Smith is coming Ooh, back. Smitty? Uh, Philly, Philly Brown. Brown. Oh, Philly Fan Brown. Favorite. If only Philly Brown was on the roster, this team would be so good. Come on. You guys, they're not going to add a wide receiver in week 17. But the Ravens are trying people out. Why are the Panthers? The, the Ravens have a problem at wide receiver, and they're they're looking at all options to improve. Are you saying that, you know, I know we were mocking, but are you saying that Mose Frazier is better than 
anybody else that's potentially out there right now? Is Moe's Frazier better than Philly Brown? I'm not saying that, Zach, but here's what I am saying. Is that on this podcast, on the It Is What It Is podcast, we don't talk about how nice it would be if Ron Rivera was a different coach. (laughs) We talk about what the Panthers are going to do and what is going to actually happen. The Panthers are going to stick with what they have at wide receiver. They're going to play next man up the same way that they have done it the entire season. And they're going to rely on their three primary passing options, Christian McCaffrey, Devin Funchess, and Greg Olson. Right. And a stout defense and a power running game to get them to the Super Bowl. But does it not feel like uh, now that an opposing team can just put their number one cornerback on Devin, essentially eliminate him, uh, you know, focus a little bit on uh, on Greg Olson, and then at that point it's just shutting down the run? Yes and no. I think that one of the things that happened this past week is that when you play a divisional opponent like the Bucks, the Bucks play have played the Panthers twice a year for the past however many years, 25 years, that's not true, but however many years they played. And so they are used to each other. Gerald McCoy has lined up against Ryan Khalil or Andrew Norwell or Trey Turner for almost every Panthers Bucks game for right. the last how for for however long their careers have been. So they know each so other. So they know each other. So even though Dirk Cutter is a new coach to the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Bucks know what Mike Shula kind of does on offense. And yes, the idea is that oh Shula never changes. He never has game plan adjustments. He runs the same exact plays. Those are all ridiculous. He he absolutely adjusts. He absolutely has different plays. The if you think that uh, they're playing a Tecmo Super Bowl offense where they have eight to choose from. You are incorrect. But at the same time, to use another video game metaphor, because, again, my wife has been out of town for five days, and that's all I've been doing. When If you and I play against Madden against each other you know, all the time, you know that on third down, I like to run slants. Right. If we're playing each other online, FYI, I do like to run slants on third down. Okay. So you are going to say to yourself, okay, it's a big third down. How do I stop the slant? Same thing for the Bucks and Mike Shula. Now, sometimes they'll throw in a misdirection. They know that on third and one, when you bring in the jumbo package, they like to run Jonathan Stewart right up the middle. But sometimes Cam Newton runs the naked bootleg and runs for 25 yards. So... It's those little things that maybe make the Bucks a little bit uh, a tougher opponent, obviously, for the Panthers. And so, yes, they tilted their uh, their defense towards Devin Funches and Greg Olson, and were able to shut them down. And that's why I say that I'm curious to see how the Panthers respond this week against another divisional opponent, the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Uh, you know, one thing you talked about in there was was buckling down on defense, and this has been a common theme that we've talked about. Um, for the last couple of weeks, though, is uh, the Panthers giving up big plays on defense. And so this was another week where we saw several big plays, uh, specifically one 72-yard. It was uh, 70, 70 yards. Oh, sorry, I don't want to give that. I don't want to give him that extra two. But, no. uh, yeah, a 70-yard completion where, what, at least there were at least three or four missed tackles on the play? That's a low blow. Uh, <laughs> first, is it? How do you know? The, Prove it. The first thing – uh, that I will tell you that's insane is that the Panthers have given up two 70-yard passes 
passing plays this season, neither of which went for touchdowns. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. That did, seems... Did you know that was also Jameis Winston's longest pass play of his career? No. I heard that on the broadcast when I was rewatching it. That's what the kids call a fun fact. <laughs> uh, no, I did not know that. Um, that doesn't surprise me, though. But, yeah, the big plays are a problem, right? The total yardage is a problem. Yeah, that total yardage. Remember two, three weeks ago when we started talking about how the Panthers' defense has been giving up a bunch more yards? Okay. That yardage just keeps on creeping on up. Yeah, I think at that point it had gone from, like, what, the 260s, 270s into the 350s and higher? No, it was – it was yeah, it hadn't gone up that far. It was, like, in the last six – in the first eight games, they'd allowed 264. In the last six games, they'd allowed 364. Now it's not – that stat is not quite as convenient as 100 yards exactly, but I believe they're up to almost 320 yards allowed per game. Wow. That's a lot of yards yeah. for a considered a top five defense. And it all comes from not tackling at that first point of contact. I mean, their secondary, and specifically the safeties, if we're going to start calling people out, are not making tackles at first contact. Right. And it is leading to big plays. You know, if you tra- tackle Chris Godwin on that slant, the first time that you have a shot at him, that's a 12-yard gain as opposed to a 70-yard gain. So, so what's Luke ha- Keekley chased him down on the backside. Yeah. Yep. So, so what's happening here? Because you're talking about the safeties, and if you're looking at the Panthers' secondary, the safeties are the older veteran players. So, you know, I would expect them from a fundamental standpoint to – be in the right position to make these tackles is it just because they're older and and physically they're not able to or you know what's going on I don't know I'd love to have a great answer for you but I don't I don't know why the Panthers have struggled at tackling but I do know that the Panthers know that they've been struggling at tackling they stood they tackled really poorly against Minnesota and then they came back next the next week against Green Bay and had it shored up so they I thought it was the poor tackling versus the Saints. Came you're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. It was the Saints and then the Vikings, right? Both of them back to back. They tackled poorly against and then they I don't know whether they had it short up, but they played better against Green Bay from a tackling perspective, certainly in the secondary. The reason they gave up all those yards to Aaron Rodgers is because they were down by 14 and Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. Um they so I am hopeful that Steve Wilkes and Ron Rivera, this will be a focal point in practice this week. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. What do you do? Do you do extra talent? Like, I'm, I'm literally curious. Like, how do you, when it's something like that, how do you change? Okay, you guys, we have to get better at tackling. What I know, is it? I know what you don't do. What a lot of fans are suggesting is to rest the players week 17 against the Falcons. You don't do that. But they could get hurt, Zach. <laughs> So that's that's a big uh, big take right now from our fans is that uh, is that Panthers essentially this is these are their words are not playing for much of anything they're they're not going to be the sixth seed the Panthers can be no worse than the fifth seed at this point so you know with that in mind go ahead and rest the players uh, you know this last week seventeen against the Falcons and uh, get them ready for the the playoffs the following week I'm gonna um, I'm gonna back off from the microphone because I'm probably gonna yell here. <laughs> In the next minute, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Is the idea that 
the Panthers should rest their players in Week 17. Why? The Panthers still have a chance to get a number two seed. They still have a chance at a first round bye. They still, but it's have, a ten percent chance. Who cares? It's still a chance. <laughs> the idea that because McVeigh is resting his players for the Rams means that the Panthers should now take his advice because he's a good young coach. It's freaking ridiculous. I'm so close to giving us an explicit uh, moniker on. I hit the dumb button. Let me yeah. know. Yeah, freaking ridiculous. Uh, I'm like rubbing my head. So the Panthers can win the NFC South and get a home playoff game if two things happen. If they win in Atlanta and New Orleans loses to Tampa Bay. Yes. Both of those things have to happen. Both of those things have to happen. Now let me ask you this, Zach. Is it possible that New Orleans could possibly lose to Tampa Bay? Well, going into this past weekend, I would have said Tampa Bay could not beat the Panthers, but... I mean, if you look at what Tampa's done, playing the Panthers, playing Atlanta, playing Detroit all closely, plus what, going back to what you were saying earlier as far as this being a divisional game and them having some familiarity with each other and being outdoors in Tampa, yeah, there's a chance. I think it's a slim chance, but yeah, More absolutely. There's close a to zero? No, it's, it's, it's closer to 30%. I'm in your, your, yeah. your range okay. with this one. <laughs> so, okay, so, God, so stupid. So it's so stupid that we're even talking about this. So but this is always a discussion when you get in these scenarios. I mean, there yeah. are always fans on, on either side of the argument, and I tend to lean towards yours. I mean, not not only because of the obvious where there is still an opportunity for them to clinch the division. I mean, there's an opportunity for the Panthers to move up to the number two seed and have a bye this past week. So just with that alone in mind, you play the game, man. You play to win the game. Yeah. And, and now, am I now if the Saint, if you if they look up at the scoreboard and the Saints are up forty two to nothing in the third quarter, okay, well, that's a whole different two story. things. One, I think they should play the game without looking at the score. That's not going to happen. But yes, if it's if it's if the game looks like it's completely out of reach, then maybe you start calling off the dogs a little bit, right? Yeah. But a few other things, you know, I personally don't feel like the Panthers are in a position coming off you know that last game against the Bucks. Uh, going into this game down the mere bird, um, you know, to, to be in a position to sit down and rest. You know? I feel like they, they need to have these reps, certainly the wide receivers, certainly Cam, um, you know, you know, adjusting with them going into this. But these guys are missing tackles on defense, you know. I mean, <laughs> they need to get out there and they play. And, and, and then just from a fan perspective, I, don't, I can't think the players would feel this way too, but, like, beating the Falcons knocks them out of the playoffs. Yeah. Let's do that. Like, what a, what a New Year's Eve celebration to knock the Falcons out of the playoff in their new dome on New Year's Eve. That's a party, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's, oh, God. It's just such you a seem, frustrating. You seem, you it's seem just, agitated by this, to this be, take. To be honest with you, Zach, and I hate to be, I hate to just flip what we usually talk about, but it's such a freaking loser mentality to think that the Saints couldn't possibly lose to the Bucks. So the Panthers should just rest their players. The other thing that I read from some some fans on uh, the tweet box is that the Panthers could get injured, right? Yeah. Which is an absolute concern. You know what? If if the Panthers go in and Cam Newton gets a concussion on the first play of the game, it's going to be trouble in the playoffs. But guess what? The Panthers can get hurt in practice. The Panthers can get hurt riding the bus to the game. The Panthers can get hurt even in limited snaps. <laughs> Agreed. So when you think to yourself, okay, well, they should rest their players. 
who should rest? The guys that you can't miss, right? You can't miss Cam Newton. You can't. Thomas, Luke. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Julius. Cool. So which player are you going to leave off that when they break their hand, you feel okay about? Uh, I guess if Vernon Butler breaks his hand, that's cool. No, that's no, not cool it's either. it's not cool. <laughs> All of them have to play. There's 53 guys on the roster. They can't just pull. They should just not even go to Atlanta. Might as well. Let's stay here and have a New Year's Eve party. Actually, that I would be interested in because I just like hanging out in Charlotte. So <laughs> CLT. Um no, it's ridiculous. The whole idea of resting your players makes a lot of sense if there's nowhere for you to go. So, but there are lots of places for the Panthers to go. But the Rams are going to rest their players, reportedly. But they are locked into a home game. They already have a home playoff game. Right. And they are the only thing that they could do is go between the third and the fourth seed. If they lose, right. they're the fourth lose seed. Lose to the 49ers, right. If they lose the 49ers, they would be then the fourth seed, which their second-round game would be against... Philadelphia. Did Philadelphia look good? Philadelphia hasn't looked good in two weeks. Exactly. What happened? Philadelphia has lost their MVP quarterback. They've lost a few other players. So so for the Rams, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. It's fine. If the Panthers lose, they have a 0% chance at a home game. Yeah. and If they win, at least they have a chance. And we've said this plenty of times, looking at the NFC picture this year, Going on the road three weekends in a row through the gauntlet of the NFC is, is a very daunting task for any of those teams. So, yeah, take your chance, man. Go with it. Yeah, take your chance. Do your dance. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Good song. Uh, yeah, it's just such a freaking frustrating opinion of just like, well, they, oh. you know that home teams in the playoffs win 64% of the time, 64.7% of the time in the NFL. That's better than 36. That's, I, that is good math right yeah. there. But also like, that's a big dip. That's not like 52%. That's a huge, huge, huge difference. Yeah. And yes, home teams are usually the better teams because they're higher seeds, but that is a huge, huge difference. And if the Panthers can get that home game, even if it's a 10 or 15% chance, they have to take it. No, I totally agree. Um, Have I told you in the nine years that we've been doing the ATL takeover that we are two and seven in those games? How does that make you feel? You've told me a bunch of times. (laughs) Sometimes you'll just text me at like 1230 a.m. Just like we're two and seven. That's sleep textings. I'm not awake. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, (laughs) I'm at 1230 p.m. Uh, I'm I am thankful. Well, I take that it's twofold because I would love for this game to be for the NFC South title, even though I don't know if my heart could handle, you know, such pressure on me personally, right? Sure. Yeah. So 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 much pressure on the game. But to at least not have the stress of uh, you know, losing to the Bucks and it being a win, a must win situation to get into the playoffs, at least we're not facing that. I'm excited about the flex. Um, but this is a tough game. I mean the Falcons are gonna be fighting for their lives. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Falcons are, I was looking at some numbers, Falcons are good. They haven't played particularly well the past two weeks, but I think it's because of their opponents. Um, and I think that, I just don't want them in the playoffs, you know? Right. Like, they, they're they one of those teams where it's like, hey, Julio had 260 yards receiving, and they and now here come the Falcons. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that, like. Atlanta feels like a more dangerous team than Seattle to me right now. Sure, I agree with that. Uh, and especially like Seattle couldn't possibly get a home game. I, I just think that they're I, – I would just rather not see Atlanta in the playoffs and also because I hate Atlanta. Yes. Um, 
because Matt Ryan is the worst, and he can get the F off my field. Sure, it is um, what it is. Yeah, it's just frustrating. So let's just talk about which we're since we're since we're talking playoffs, and since I'm literally yelling about how the Panthers could possibly get the number <laughs> two seed, I'm just gonna run through them and see if I could do them in order in my head. Ready? So here's what happens: if the Panthers win and the Vikings, Saints, and Rams all lose. The Panthers Panth- are the two seed. Panthers are the two seed. Okay? If the Panthers win and the Saints lose they're and the, the Rams four. lose. Now they're the three. Now they're the three. If the Rams win and the Saints lose and the Panthers win, then the Panthers are the four. And the Saints are the five. Right. Really, the Panthers can only play the Saints or the Rams. Or have a bye. Or have a bye in the first round. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Get them like, you know, and, and I, I've been pretty dead set, you know, when you and I are talking that there doesn't seem possible to avoid New Orleans in the first round. So I'm just kind of wrapping my head around either having to go to New Orleans, which is the most likely scenario, or the Saints coming to Charlotte, which that's fine too. But with, I mean, going back to that news about the Saints resting their players, I mean, if that really happens. The I Rams mean, resting their players. What did I say? The Saints? Yeah. The Rams resting their players. So, first of all, the 49ers have looked like a much better team, right? I mean, Jimmy that, G, baby. that is an NFC West rivalry there too, and, and I'm sure that they would not, you know, would want nothing more than to beat the Rams to end their season. So I felt like there was a small chance that that could be a good game, but now I see that the 49ers are are favored by a point, and if the Rams are going to sit their players, like, that could really happen, and that changes that changes the landscape of the players, or excuse me, the Panthers uh, playoff. Um, uh, schedule for the for the entire that's entirety really. Let's put it to you this way, Zach. You're a Panthers fan, the ringleader of the Roaring Riot. Yes. Who would you like to see the Panthers play in the first round? The Saints or the Rams? See, this is this is a fun conversation because you're no matter what I say here, you're going to have some people on the other side. So for me. I want the Panthers to have the easiest road to the Super Bowl. I don't have a problem saying that. Like, yeah. you still get the trophy no matter who you beat in the last game. They don't care who you beat wild card weekend. To so, be the best, you got to beat the best. Yeah, it's that's, not a Ric Flair that's situation. That's BS, okay? Get, get me to the final game. I don't care who the Panthers have to play. So, for me, looking at this season, I know what the Saints can do. I've seen what they do against the, have done against the Panthers twice this season. I think the Rams are a really good team. But I'm more comfortable playing the Rams. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I think the Panthers can just roll over the Rams. But the Saints have, have really played two great games against the Panthers. Or should I say the Panthers have played really two really poor games against the Saints. And let's be serious. I've been to a lot of away game stadiums. I don't think I know that I haven't been to a stadium that is as intimidating as the Dome other than maybe Seattle. And I feel like they're pretty comparable. And I always tell Seahawks fans that the Saints are louder just because F the Seahawks fans. But... The point is, that place is loud. It's intimidating. The fans they feel like they're right on top of the field. They play music between every single play. It's just, it's, it's an intimidating place to play, and I can only imagine what it would be like in the playoffs. Plus, just the, the, the mentality that the Saints have at home. I think they're 7-1 and one at home this year, 4-3 yep. and three on the road, if I'm not mistaken. 4-2. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a tough place to play. Um, so, yeah, if it's up to me, I'm, I'm choosing L.A. I, I like that road. Um, if the Panthers do end up in the in the four or the five seed, then you know, and and can get by one of these first round matchups, I like their chances in Philly too. Yep, 
I could not agree with everything that you just said. Just to throw in some stuff, the Rams are four and three at home. Saints are seven and one at home. See, we, when we took the uh, the trip out to L.A. last year, there was no home field advantage there. I mean, the Coliseum is huge. There's plenty of tickets available, and before, um, I guess you know, last year up to that point, that was the most Panther fans I'd seen at an away game, which blew me away. I don't yeah. remember, remember how, if I told you that or not, but there were tons of them there. So it's just it to, to take the home field advantage out of the play, which that is a thing, especially in the playoffs. You know, just it just makes it a little bit more level playing field for the Panthers. Would you rather the Panthers play the Rams in L.A. or the Saints in Charlotte? Not personally, because obviously you'd rather they play the Saints to the beach, in Charlotte. Man. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm I'm asking like which like from a football perspective, which one would you rather do? Uh, I tell you what, again, it's the same thing. I'd rather go to L.A. You yeah, know? me too. Just because I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. I agree with that. I really do. They, you look at what they have done this season. They lost the Falcons when Kamara got hurt early in the game. They lost their first two games to the Vikings and the Rams. So I just – is that right? Did no, I get the, they, the Saints lost to the Rams in L.A. the same weekend the Panthers beat the Jets. Remember R-A-M-S, Rams, Rams, Rams? Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I don't rem- remember, but they, the Saints did lose to their first two games. I don't know who the second opponent was, but yes. I don't remember, but it was somebody good. One of them was the Vikings. Oh, it was the Patriots. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're okay, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, the so they, their losses have come to very good teams. All playoff teams. All double-digit wins. Yeah, teams. the Vikings, Rams, Patriots, and Falcons. Yeah. Hey, that's good. Yeah, they're a good team. <laughs> they're a good team. Uh, and also, they lost their first two games kind of before they had figured out how to use Kamara. Um, I just think that the Saints are the best team in the NFC. And I think that, especially now, once the, now that Bird is hurt, we didn't really talk about how the Panthers' wide receiver core is going to um, recover. I just, I mean, but I don't know. I don't have a good answer. So uh, that's, <laughs> I think that's why we just kind of It is get, what it is. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I think we're going to see. I think Burson's going to contribute. I think you're gonna, we're going to see basically kind of that 2015 mentality, except now you have Devin Funchess as a better number one version. Right? And again, and it's it's all on cam. Again, it feels like it's always all all on cam. Yeah, there's that... There's a stat um, that uh, the Panthers are 18 games over 500 since um, uh, Cam and Ron Rivera came to town in 2011, and I think all all of that comes from Cam Newton. Right. 95 percent of it comes from Cam Newton. Because sometimes you have to Ron overcome Rivera. coaching. Yeah. Well, come on, dude. <laughs> are we gonna do this? That was a joke. People. All right. Good lord. <laughs> He said over. He was joking. That was a joke. He's yeah. Back it up. Back it up and dump that. Yeah. <laughs> Get the editors. Can we re- can we do something with that? So, but, uh, what's going on this weekend in Atlanta? So Let's you, talk about it. New Year's Eve, baby, baby. Yeah. So either way, we've got two exciting weeks coming up. Um, we ended up with 487 Panther fans heading down to Holy Atlanta God. for the ATL takeover. So we always have. You know, for the last, what, five or six years, we've had just monstrous crowds down there. So this one's going to be no exception. Um, it's, it's been a tough ticket. I mean, ticket prices were are outrageous. I heard something fun today that 
the um, you know the Auburn Tigers are playing down there the following day on New Year's Day, and a Ooh. lot of them are trying to score tickets to the the Panthers game to come represent their uh, Tigers number two jersey. So any, that'd be that'd be fun. Any famous Panthers went to Auburn, or yeah, just a couple. Yeah, well, a couple, one specifically. Right? Yeah, one specifically. So um, yeah, that would be that would be cool. But yeah, we're uh we've got a big party planned uh, for uh, Saturday at 5 p.m. at Fado in Midtown. Um, yeah, everybody's welcome to come out and hang out with all the Panther fans. We expect a pretty big crowd out there, so it should be should be great. Luckily, the game was flexed, so we can actually uh, go out a little bit Saturday night in Atlanta and turn the city out. And then uh, Sunday, tailgate starts 12.30, 1 o'clock in the marshalling yard. That's the marshalling yard, same place we've been for nine years. Uh, if you're driving your car and want to come, the best place to park is the yellow lot, which is just adjacent to the marshalling yard, and then you can walk over. Uh, just make sure to BYOB, and we'll have the music, the games, and all the Panther fans, and all the fun. So, looking forward to it. And then, uh, you know, throwing down New Year's Eve uh, after to, after we win to celebrate. Oh, hey, by the way, uh, in case you somehow this is how you get your Panthers news is on. It is what it is. The game has been flexed to four twenty five. <laughs> just so don't show up at at eleven a.m. because no one's going to be there. Um, also, Cameron Artis Payne went to Auburn. Um, so. Yes. Yeah, I'm just excited for the weekend. And then, and then we uh, find out where we're going. Yeah, what are we going to do after the game? We are going to Park Tavern to jam out to some Yacht Rock review. I feel like that was appropriate to give Yacht Rock a plug on this podcast. Yacht they Rock? Are, they are definitely what it is. They played at your wedding, right? Absolutely. That's my wedding band. Yeah, I don't want to want to like blow up your personal spot. Thanks. That's pretty – I mean, come on, dude. We talked about your uh, – you didn't return my pan earlier in this <laughs> in this episode. I feel like – I watched it, though. That... Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's clean pan. Did you guys actually eat any of the monkey bread or did you Kind of like it? I told you, we were probably going to eat half, and that's yeah, what we did. Yeah, that sounds so about we, right. We gave the other half to the dogs. I am interested to – I know that we teased it earlier, but I do not want to end the podcast without – finding out what your favorite christmas song is mm, my top favorite? two i gotta i gotta name two of them yeah let's do it wow this is really tough i'll go first okay uh my number one is please come home for christmas by bon jovi so you're, John gonna, you're bon gonna go jovi. one two not two one yeah i don't want to so leave. I know what your favorite is why i so i want to know what the consolation the participation i don't want to leave is. people in suspense <laughs> <laughs> and then my number two is the christmas song that's uh um, by I believe it's Frank Sinatra. Maybe sings it. Or so you don't Bing even Crosby. know. Is this why it's number two? Because you don't even know who the singer of your yeah, second it, favorite song is. That's exactly what. Yes, yeah. that is correct. So is there a lot of Christmas Nat music? King Cole. Playing? Oh, <laughs> you're right in there. And I'm offering this. So my grade. favorite, second favorite. I'm going to go the other way. Oh, my second favorite is. Santa Baby. Oh, Santa Baby. I need to know what your number one was. Why didn't I go in reverse? Number one is obvious. It's All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah mm, Carey. That's a classic. That is a classic. I might go listen to that in the car on the way home. I think that you absolutely December 27th. Um, I am sad that there's no more Christmas music. I had this great idea, and I'm going to plop it on It Is What It Is that there should be a Christmas-themed bar hmm. that's open all year round. Yeah. Uh, but they close for the entire month of January because you're, like, done with Christmas kind of now sure. for a month. But then in February, I'm ready for Christmas again? I think so. Sam's Club it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, like, Valentine's Day, so it's like, hey, you have to. You could have, like, ugly Christmas sweaters yeah. and, like, you only have 
two kinds of people that work there. There's either really old people, okay, like uh, like bar flies, like a very like older gentleman wearing a Santa hat and just being like, "Hey, what do you? What can I get for you, young man?" Or um, just like really like emo people yeah. with like a bunch of tattoos are like the ah, Christmas. That's funny, man. That's that's interesting. And I mean, truthfully, that is a really bad idea. Yeah, we can call it Saint Nick's yeah. or Kringles. What do you think? No? Uh, I I think that's a great idea. Um, Anyway, it is what it is, and we are excited that you guys joined us and made it all the way through. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs, baby. It's a real Jim Mora situation. I can't wait, and I am excited to see everybody in Atlanta. And bells will be ringing. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. Oh, what a Christmas.